Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. Um, before we get started here, um, most of you probably know Karen McCardle. She's normally on our computer. Uh, her daughter, Angela, is normally on, on the um, camera. But Karen called me last night. I talked to her right before service started. And she has another daughter, Allison. And unfortunately, they found Allison had passed away yesterday at her home in South Carolina. And um, she, it, it appears there's some medical conditions that she has. But she just found that information out last night. So if we can just, she's watching by Facebook. She told me that she would be. So if you guys can just reach your hands out to that, that uh, camera there, that phone. We're just going to pray for her family. And Karen, we just want you to know we love you so much. And we're here for you. And our heart breaks with your heart. And so, Father, I just thank you for my sister. And I just ask right now, Lord God, that your spirit of peace and love would just encompass her and surround her and her family, Lord God, during this time. And just let her know, Lord, that she is loved not only by you but by so many. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Um, I just want to thank, start by thanking Pastor Dell. He is out of town on a, a short getaway. I believe he's traveling back into town today. So I want to thank him for trusting me and allowing me the honor and the privilege of coming before you guys and sharing what I believe the Lord has put on my heart. And so I just want you guys to keep him in your prayers and just pray for his safe travels home. And, you know, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you. I will read a scripture, though, I promise. Um, but, um, you know, when he asked, he asked me a couple of weeks ago if I would share today, and of, of course I said yes. Um, and immediately the Lord, I believe, dropped a word into my heart, and the word is transformation. Transformation. And I knew exactly what that meant when he dropped that, dropped that into my heart because that's something I'm constantly evaluating in my own life, right? So I'm always um, monitoring myself, and Lord knows I don't always get it right, and I mess it up a lot of times, but I'm always monitoring myself, especially with my reactions to things and my words to things. I try to measure it and say, you know what, is that really the way Christ would have me react in this situation? I know what my flesh wants to do right now. I know what my feelings are saying I want to do right now, but is that the way that I really want to react? Because I think that's part of transformation. That's part of allowing the Lord to transform us. And, but that's a hard part because it's, it's not always easy. It's, that's a painful process of this walk is transformation, right? Because it requires so much sacrifice on our part. It really does. Um, but, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, when he came, he was the exact representation of the Father. The exact representation of the Father. He came, he lived a life as an example to us to show us how we're to react, how we're to live life, right? He's the, we can look at his life and say, this is how we do it. And then he laid down his life for us. He wasn't murdered. He voluntarily 
lay down his life for us and shed his own blood so that we can now be reconciled to the Father, so that we can now have a do-over. Amen. We can now start the process of transformation. So I was formulating all this in my head. And I'm like, all right, Lord, transfer, transformation. And, and, you know, I just get little snippets of things, and it's all kind of just jumbled around in here, right? And, and so you're trying to make sense of how does this fit together? How does this go? And so I'm in the process of doing that. And then May, Monday, May 25th happened. And I'm going to try to get through it. But that night we learned that one of our brothers, an image bearer of the Most High God, one of great value to the Father and I'm sure many others, that he was murdered by an officer that was sworn to protect him. And I said, Lord, how am I going to talk about transformation? And then the days after that have ensued and we're still in the middle of them. They're not over. How am I going to talk about transportation when your children are, or transformation when your children are hurting, when they're in pain, when they're crying out to be heard? How do we not address that? How do we, how do we move? What, what's the church's role in this? Right here. And I, I just felt like I heard him say, transformation. That's the church's role. We have to be transformed. You have to be transformed. So let's pray. So Father, I just thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you, Lord God, for your love for us. I thank you for your love for your creation. I thank you that you have a purpose, a plan, and a destiny. I thank you that regardless of what goes on in the world, Lord God, it doesn't change who you are and what your plans are. It doesn't change your method of operation, Lord God. It doesn't change, Lord God, that we need to be transformed by you. And so as you, I just invite you into this place. I know you're already here, but I just want to say it publicly again, Father. You are invited into this place to move as you will, to reveal as you will, to transform as you will. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name. So we look at a scripture that we've seen so many times. And I'm going to read it to you. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. This is a key, I think, for us now and always for victorious living. This is one of those scriptures we've heard so many times that when you hear somebody's going to say it, you're like, oh, here we go. Yeah, I know. New creation. I've heard it. Right? You don't really think about it. It's, it's almost become like one of those throwaway things. You know, Christ so loved the world to be, yeah, yeah, I've heard. You know, you know what I'm saying? These scriptures that we've heard so much. But have we really meditated on it? Have we really thought about what does that mean? What does that scripture personally mean for me? 
I have become a new creation. All things have passed away. It's all-encompassing. It means everything that we were is no longer. It means we have a new identity. We have the identity that we were originally created with in the heart of the Father. Before we came into this world and we let the enemy corrupt it. He didn't just repair us and slap some paint on us and put some lipstick on us and throw us back out in the world and say, hey, here you go. Brand new, look how pretty you look. That's not what he did. He went back and he rescued the original us, the original blueprint of who we are. Who we were in his heart from before the foundations of the earth. Who he decreed and declared that you are and will be. See, we got to get that. We've got to understand we truly are not who we were. We are holding on to too many labels. And I mean some of them in our minds are good labels. But they're no longer valid. Who are you? Who are you? Have you thought about it? Especially in light of what this nation is going through, have you thought about it? Who are you? I am what? Fill in the blank. I am Italian. I am a woman. I am a minister. I am white. I am black, I am Mexican, I am Chinese, I'm an atheist, I'm a Catholic. What's your, what's your title? How are you identifying yourself? Because whatever you just put in that blank is no longer valid. That is not your first identity. It's secondary. The church has got to get this. Your identity is I am a child of the Most High God. I am an image bearer of God. That is your identity. And we as a church have to rise above the natural. We've got to rise above what we're seeing playing out in our nations and across the world. Because we're here, but this is not our home. Let us not forget that. We were put here with a purpose. We were put here with a destiny. And it's not to blend into what the world thinks that you should be. That is not our identity as a church. And we're failing our country. We're failing our brothers and sisters because we're not letting them know that they don't have to be what people are telling them either. We've got to let people know. I'm completely off my notes. <laughs> Being a new creation, it just goes so far past our physical, right? And look, I'm not naive. I'm a human being just like the rest of you, you know? My, my checkbook doesn't add up sometimes. 
you know. Sometimes the doctor tells me things I don't want to hear. All right? I know we live in a real world. I'm not an ostrich. I'm not putting my head in the sand and saying we're not going to have trials and tribulations. The word, the word promises that we will. So why do we think it's strange that when we have them? I mean, it's not like God hid it from us, told us right there in his word. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. But see, he gave his son. His son walked through them. So that we have an example and we could see that, yeah, we'll have trials and tribulations, but, you know, we're going to make it through. We've got to look higher. We've got to look higher. You know, Genesis 1-7 tells us, says in Genesis 1-7, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are all destined to be image bearers of God. Every single one of us. And that's got to be the first thing in your mind every morning when you wake up. That's got to be the first thing in your mind when somebody offends you and you want to put them in their place. Because they don't want to hear what's on your mind. They need to hear what's on Jesus' mind. Amen. It's got to be the first thing that's on your mind when you're going to react to somebody, something, some situation. I'm an image bearer of the most high God. The person I'm looking at, whether they realize it or not, they were created to be an image bearer of the most high God. They're no better than me. They're no less than me. They are an image bearer of the most high God. If we could get that, in our hearts, it would change the world. That is what we're supposed to be doing, people. We're supposed to be changing the world heart by heart. But you can't do that if you're not secure in your own identity. If you don't understand these basic principles right here of who you are and what you're supposed to be doing. It's very, very easy in this world right now to lose focus of who you are. You know, we, somebody mentioned to me this morning, you know, it's just getting worse and worse. The world's just getting worse and worse. It's getting darker and darker. We're in the end days. Well, that's only because you only watch what's on TV. You only see whatever gets the ratings. That's why the world is worse and worse and darker and darker, but it's not. As far as the kingdom of God goes, I was just listening to somebody um, a couple of days ago who was listening to some of their teaching, and this person ministers all the time in third world countries and around the world. And as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, the world is getting brighter and brighter. But see, you don't hear about that. Do you know he said that 29,000 people a day get saved in China? 29,000 people a day. Now, those people pay a price for their salvation. Because when it's found out, terrible, horrible, horrible things happen to them and their families. But it doesn't stop. 
the fact that 29,000 people a day are getting saved in China. <coughs> thousands and thousands of people every day are getting saved in the Middle Eastern countries out of Islam. But you don't hear that. You don't know that. All you know is the evil that the media puts on the TV for you. So it's all encompassing because that's, that's everything that's in your vision. But as the church, we are charged to come higher than that. We have to go higher than that, people. The word tells us that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Now look, if you don't have, a, if you don't really have a, an understanding or, or you really don't comprehend completely spiritual things, which I don't, please don't hear me say that I got it all to get because, no, I have no clue. But I'm telling you, when the Bible tells you that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ, that's literal. It's not figurative. It's not a, oh, someday, by and by, we're going to be up there and everything's going to be great. No, you have spiritual authority in the spirit. You got to get a relationship with Christ. He will show you that you have power in the spirit. This is not things we're just talking about. If I sound angry and passionate, please don't think I'm mad or I'm trying to be ugly, but I'm angry and I'm passionate. <laughs> I'm angry when I see a man who is an image bearer, a brother of mine that was senselessly murdered by people in authority that were to protect him. I'm angry. I'm angry when I see people destroying other people's lives and livelihoods out of anger and frustration and grief. I'm angry, but I'm not angry at them. I'm angry at the spirit that's behind it. And the church is letting it go. We're the ones with the power and authority in the spirit to stop it and tell the enemy, no, you're not allowed to have our brothers and sisters. Why are these people, am I against the riots? Absolutely, 100%. No doubt about it. I know all the arguments. I hear your pain. But that's not the Christian's response. I'm sorry if that angers people. But it, man's reaction to things does not change who God is. It doesn't change his principles. It doesn't change how he tells us to react. And you can't compromise. Because when you compromise, you give room to the enemy to come in and start destroying things. Because when you compromise, you start agreeing with the enemy instead of agreeing with your father. And you cannot compromise. I don't care how it, how it makes your friends make you call you names or it makes people look at you like you're not loyal. Or you're, no, you're loyal, but you're loyal to the most high God because he's the only one who has the answers for this world. The church has the answers. 
And so why are all those people rioting? Why are they angry? Why are they frustrated? Are they not being heard? Yes, they're not being heard. Does that need to change? Absolutely, 100%, that needs to change. But when you pull everything back, when you pull it all back, hearts have to be changed. Because it doesn't matter how many laws you put on the books. Laws don't change anything, and this church ought to know that better than any church. Laws don't change anything. If the hearts aren't changed, this is what happens. If the hearts aren't changed, then when the law is in place, when you're watching me, or when I think I'm going to get caught, and there's a consequence, then I'm going to obey the law. But when I think I can get away with it, when I think nobody's going to see it, my heart tells me I can do whatever the heck I want, and I'm going to do it, and it's not going to change anything. People just get crafty. They just, that's how come you got con artists all over the place. They figured out ways to get around the law and not get caught. But see, if their hearts were changed the law wouldn't matter. Because if their hearts were changed, they wouldn't want to do it anyway. Because if their hearts were changed, they would look at the person standing in front of them, regardless of their social status, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their education level, they would look at the person in front of them and say, that is my brother and sister, that is a God-bearer, that is an image-bearer. That is one of great value, a pearl of great price that my father sacrificed his son on the cross for. That person needs to be treated with great respect and honor and dignity. How do I protect that person? That's what a changed heart will say. The church is responsible for changing hearts. That's our job. Do we need lawmakers to stand up? Do we need leaders to stand up and start leading? Yes, we do. So please, you know, whenever you give messages here, you always, pastor tells, tells me this, you know, you always neglect one area of truth in order to emphasize another area because you only have so much time, right? So don't hear what I'm saying and say, oh, she says we shouldn't be doing anything in the natural. She's saying lawmakers shouldn't do anything. Laws aren't important. Leadership doesn't. That's not what I'm saying at all. Those things are necessary. What I'm saying is as the church, you have a fight on a battlefield that the world knows nothing about. They're not going to fight that battle. And if we as the church aren't going to fight that battle, who's going to fight it? We got to wake up. We got to start putting the principles of God in action. And you know what one of the hardest principles of God is? Forgiveness. Man, I'll tell you what. 
Forgiveness is a hard one sometimes. Forgiveness is easy to say when you have nothing to forgive. Oh, you just need to forgive. You just need to forgive. Really? I need to forgive? I need to forgive? You weren't the one laying in that bed when my father came in in the middle of the night and did the things to me. I need to forgive? I need to forgive? Really? Because you weren't the one whose brother or loved one was just murdered by a police officer. Wasn't yours. You need, I need to forgive? It's hard. It's a hard place. But God is uncompromising on forgiveness. You got to forgive. That was the whole thing that his son did. And if you don't think God understands, if you don't think Jesus understands, let him show you the cross when he was innocent and they beat him to the point that he was unrecognizable and they humiliated him and they crucified him on a cross and his words were, forgive them for they know not what they do. You have a God who understands. But he also knows that if you do not forgive, you give room for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in your life. That's the enemy's playground right there. That's his open door for you. That's an invitation to him. I told you transformation is hard sometimes because it requires us to put down our own belief systems, our own prejudices, our own biases, what we think is right. we got to take what we think is right and what we believe and we got to bounce it up against the word of God. And we've got to say, my belief system sounds right to me, but does it line up with what the word says? And I don't care how much you can justify your belief system. If it doesn't line up with the word, you got to throw it out. Now, if you don't throw it out, we all have free will. It's your choice. You can keep it. But when the devil's running around in your life, creating all kind of havoc, don't ask the question, well, why is this happening to me? Well, <laughs> he's taught you in his word what his belief system is, how we are to believe, how we are to engage. It's not easy sometimes. But here's the thing. If you get into a relationship with Christ and you allow him to walk you through it and you, you put your burdens on him and you're able to say to him, you know what, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense to me. This hurts beyond belief. I don't even feel like I can take another breath because the pain is so bad. But this I know, Jesus you are with me, 
You love me. You have the answers. You're going to take me through it. And so I'm just hanging on to you. And if you haven't been to that, that, that place in your life yet, don't worry, it's coming. It's a hard place, but it's a place of great growth. And you learn spiritual truths. You learn, you start to see the traps that the enemy has set for you. Everything that's going on in this nation right now, you know, there's stuff like this going on in the world all over the place. It's just that this is where we live, right? <clears throat> but you've got to come up higher. You've got to see that there's an enemy behind this. You, we've, we as the church have got to stop being angry at one another. We've got to stop the Facebook post, people. I see it. I don't participate much with Facebook, but I see it. I see Christians posting scriptures. Wonderful. And then the next post is filled with division and hate. Can't do it. You can't have death and life coming out of the same well. Right? Our job as the church is reconciliation. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We have to let people know that don't know who they are, who Christ created them to be. You know, we, we teach our children in school that they don't really have a creator, that they just come out of evolution, some primordial ooze that started at the beginning of a big bang. And, and so they're not really created in the image of anything. They're just evolved into something, so they're really no better than the dog that they own. We, we say that it's okay to abort babies, to tear them out of their mother's womb, and then we elect people that say it's okay to do that. And then we end up in situations like this, and, and we ask the question, why? Why? We've got a whole generation of young people who think that they are not created in the image of a most high God. We've got a whole generation of young people who think they just evolved through the uh, evolutionary chain. They were once a frog when it all started out. We've got a whole generation that thinks if pregnancy is inconvenient for you, it's perfectly all right to murder that innocent life, and they'll find justification for it, and I know a lot of Christians who justify it. How can we expect full-grown adults to, have, to honor 
human life, honor our brothers and sisters, show love and dignity and respect to our brothers and sisters when we've already established from a very young age that life is not valuable. It's the church's job. It's not the, it's not the political leader's job. It's the church's job to stand up and say, no, no. We're of great value. You are of great value. My heart has to be transformed. My heart has to line up with the word of God. We have to allow God to come in and change our lives. We need to pick up our armor. We fight not against flesh and blood. I told you we are supposed to be fighting on a battlefield the world knows nothing about. We're leaving our brothers and sisters wide open for attack because we're not fighting on the battlefield we need to be fighting on. <clears throat> you know, we have military forces, the Army, Marines. They go in on the ground, right? They fight on the ground, boots on the ground, and that's where they go in. And that's their battlefield. And there's some of us that that's our battlefield right here in the natural. We need to be running for office. We need to be making our speeches, our whatever, all right? That's what God has called us to do. But then there's some of us, like the Air Force, that come in from the air and provide cover for the ground troops. And some of us are called to provide cover, and we're not providing it. We need to pick up our armor, and we need to go on the battlefield that the world knows nothing about, and we need to start providing cover for our brothers and sisters. And then we need to go into the valley and we need to show those that are angry and frustrated and hurt. We need to teach them how valuable they are and that Christ paid a price for them too and that there's a better way and that they don't have to settle, settle for the crumbs that fall off the table but they could be eating at the king's table and we need to show them the way. We can make a difference. Prayer makes a difference. Aligning yourself with the heart of God instead of the heart of men, it makes a difference. Standing for truth and righteousness, knowing who your true identity is, it makes a difference. Love makes a difference. God is love. We're supposed to be being transformed into the image 
of Christ, who is the exact representation of the Father, who is love. Paul tells us that love is the most excellent way. <clears throat> and he tells us that after giving us a whole litany of raising people from the dead and heal, laying out of hands and healing people and speaking in tongues and all these wonderful things that we all want to do. He gives us his whole list. And then he says, but let me tell you about the most excellent way. Love. I was watching the news last night. And so this, is, this has been hard. I know you guys. That this has been hard. And, and probably some of you guys are not going to want to come back again. Because you're going to say, well, that's what they're going to tell me at church. I'm not going anymore. That wasn't a really feel-good message. I want to encourage you with this. The world is getting brighter in the kingdom of God, even though the media would show you only the darkness. I can't tell you how many people now I hear on the airways of news channels, which you never heard four or five months ago, proclaiming God. Last night, I heard two people back to back say, we've lost the fear of God in this nation. We've got to get out in the streets and preach the love of God to people. This is why we're at this place. Two people, back to back, had nothing to do with one another, and that was their message when they were asked, what do you think about the riots? What do you think about what happened to Mr. Floyd? What do you think about... And their answer was, love is absent. We have got to get in the streets and teach people about love and teach them the love of God and teach them the fear of God, a holy fear of awe of who he is. And that he created you in his image. He breathed his very breath into you. That's our job as the church. Anything we speak, anything we do, you need to stop yourself and do a quick inventory and say, what I'm about to say or do, is this motivated by love? Will this bring life in this situation? And if the answer is no, but it sure will make me feel good to get it off my chest, then you need to step back and say, I will not do that thing. I will not say that thing. Lord, give me a better response. And I guarantee you, he will. And I guarantee you, Half the time, it won't be what you want to do. So just know that we as a church have the ability to change everything. Everything. 
I think it was Pastor David who came up to me today and said that somebody came to him and said, well, what can we do? Do you think one man could change what's going on? you think what, one man could have any influence on what's going on? And his response was, well, Jesus did. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Jesus did. And I would venture to say the majority of the people sitting in this room right now have Jesus. So we could absolutely change things. The Bible says God raises up kingdoms and tears them down in one day. We've seen it happen. <clears throat> so therefore, all this hate and unrest and frustration and anger that this country's going through, God can change it in one day. One day. He can turn it around. But I guarantee you he's going to do it in concert with us. So I just want to challenge you to allow Christ to transform you. I want to challenge you to start fighting on a battlefield that the world doesn't know about. I want to challenge you to pick up the weapons of the spirit and start fighting the true enemy. I want to start challenge I want to challenge you to stop attacking your fellow brothers and sisters and instead go higher and recognize the enemy that's behind it that is using your brothers and sisters as pawns. Because the Bible says those that are unsaved, those that don't know Christ, are like prisoners wrapped up in chains. They don't even know they're not free. It's our job to set them free. Well, it's our job to show them how to be set free. And so when you leave here today, I just want you to know that you can make a difference. You can change the world. And purpose in your hearts today that the only thing that comes out of your mouth, the only actions that you have, the only things that you post are love. And see if that doesn't make a difference. Okay? All right. So let me pray. Father, I just thank you for your gospel. I thank you, Father God, that though the world may shake, and while society may change, your word never, ever changes. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for love. I thank you for a battlefield that the world knows nothing about. And I thank you, Lord God, for leading us and guiding us this week and throughout our years, Lord God, to be continually transformed by your word and to transform others by speaking love, showing love, and realizing that every person we come in contact with, you have loved from before the foundations of the earth, and you have decreed and declared that they should be God image bearers. That we would treat one another with love, respect, honor, and dignity. And I just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys are released.